Praise the Lord. May God bless you and welcome to The Word Restores. This broadcast is sponsored by Restoration to Eternity with Christ Ministries and supporters like you. Our aim is to share with you what the Word of God is telling us about how we should live as victorious Christians. Listen, there's kingdom work to be done, but how can we do it if we are unprepared? We invite you to join us over the next hour. It is our prayer that you will be richly blessed as we pray with you, as we praise with you, and discuss topics of interest with our special guests. Let's get into today's broadcast. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. This is Elder Jewa of The Word Restores. After taking a quick weekend off, I am back. Um, I spent uh, some time in Florida just a weekend um, for my brother's um, book launch of Ellie's Little Scribbles, and I'm going to have to play one of the uh, one of the poems. It's a book of poems, and I, I'm going to have to play one that I had done on air uh, a few episodes back. So I'm going to pull it out, and, and perhaps within the next episode, I'll get that one done. But it's on Amazon. Uh, Ellie's Little Scribbles. It's called Today's Reflections, Ellie's Little Scribbles by Charles W. Hull. So it, I believe it's a, uh, $9.99, if I'm not mistaken, on Amazon. And I do have a couple of copies, signed copies, that over the over the next few um, episodes I'll, I'll probably be... Um, distributing them. Amen, amen. But today, oh, as a matter of fact, I had them in my hand, not today. And the reason why I'm saying that, because the topic today is what's in your hand. Amen. What's in your hand? We're going to start with prayer. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, mercy, and grace. We thank you, Lord, for being God all by yourself. We thank you, Lord, for leading, guiding, and directing us and holding our hands as we go through on this Christian journey. No matter what the ups, no matter what the downs, Lord, we thank you for being there. Oh, hallelujah. Touch my brother, touch my sister. We have people who are going through, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Touch Sister Sandra, Sister Lord healing, Lord. Touch Sister Deborah Dunn. Hallelujah. Healing we ask you for, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And all those, those that I have not and are spoken of, but Lord, you know there are those in, in need of healing. There are those in need of deliverance. There are those in need of a touch from you, in need of a hug, hallelujah, from you, Lord. So we are asking you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, do, Lord, do, Lord. And we'll be so careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So what's in your hand? You see, have you ever thought of what you can do with your hands? We can lift them to praise the Lord or to get, you know, as a student, to get our teacher's attention. Uh, if we are stopped by the police, we may have to obey the command of the police. And if they say, raise your hand, we raise the hand. We can lower our hands to rest them, to indicate that there's nothing more to say. We can place them palm up to receive or palm down to reject. 
We can open them to reveal a thing, and we can close them, hallelujah, to conceal something. So in this first episode in the series, we'll search through the Word of God to consider what happens when we reveal what's in our hand. Amen. And what we are definitely going to do is to go to the Word of God and look at examples from the Word of God of those who used what was in their hand. Amen. What's in your hand? Because the challenge to you is God's given you something in your hand. He's given you something. And the question is, are you going to use it? Amen. Now, today, there are going to be a lot of scriptures. I'm doing a lot of scripture reading because I want to read some accounts. You know, sometimes we call them stories. I want to read some accounts to to give you the feel of what has happened and what caused each and every one of these, um, these, these, of our brothers and sisters who are in, in the Word of God, who are mentioned in the Word of God, to use what the Lord had given them in their hands. So I want to start with 1 Samuel chapter 17, um, and I want to read today from the Amplified Bible. And what was in David's hand is a sling. So it's the slingshot of David as an example of his faith in God. Amen. Don't forget now, this is going to be a good, nice, long story, so bear with me. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I would con- I would suggest that you uh, you know you get it and read along. But remember, I'm reading from the Amplified, and the reason why I'm doing this today is because there's so many stories, um, you know, and so many so many wonderful accounts that I, I wanted to read as smoothly as as I can. So there'll be different versions that I'll be listening, to, I'll be reading from, and I want you to know I need to find out what's in your hand. As we go through, you will get the gist of it. And the number to call is 313-871-9656. 313-871-9656. Amen. Hallelujah. And before I forget, I want to thank uh, thank my guest host, um, Minister Mel Mills, for the last episode, Living His Best Life. Amen. Hallelujah. So we thank him for it while I was away. Now, 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 we're talking about what's in your hand. Amen. The slingshot of David as an example of faith in God, his faith in God. Amen. So, starting from verse 1, Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle and were assembled at Sokol, which belonged to Judah. And they camped between Soko and Azekah in Ephes Damien. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they camped in the valley of Elah and assembled in battle formation to meet the Philistines. The Philistines were standing on the mountain on one side and Israel was standing on the mountain on the other side with the valley between them. 
Then a champion came out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was a six cubits and a span. And uh, six cubits would be six times six, six and a, uh, one cubit is one and a half of feet, 18 inches. So this is about, he would be about nine feet, feet tall. And it says, and a span. So it's over nine feet, the span of your hand would be the span. So he had um, this, now we are in um, verse four, and we are moving to verse five. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor, which is overlapping metal plates, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had bronze shin protectors on his legs, and a bronze javelin hung between his shoulders. The wooden shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. The blade head of his spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. And a shield-bearer walked in front of him. I guess he was big man on campus. He couldn't carry his own shield. But anyway, verse 8. Goliath stood and shouted to the battle lines of Israel, saying to them, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not the Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail, watch out for the but, but if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Verse 10. Again the Philistines said, I defy the battle lines of Israel this day. Give me a man so that we may fight together. So Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now we're going to talk a little about David. He was a son of the Ephratite of Bethlehem in Judah named Jesse, who had eight sons. Jesse was old in the days of Saul, advanced in years among men. His three oldest sons had followed Saul into battle. The names of these three sons who went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, Next, Abinadab, and third, Shammah. David was the youngest. Now the three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem. The Philistine Goliath came out morning and evening and took his stand for 40 days. I mean, that would have been as irritating as it could be. And not one of Saul's soldiers, think about it, not one of Saul's soldiers even dared to stand up, oh my Lord, against David, against, um, excuse me, Goliath. Then Jesse said to David, his son, Take for your brothers an ephah of this roasted grain and ten loaves of bread and run quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take these ten cuts of cheese to the commander of the unit. See how your brothers are doing and bring back news of them, of course, and take some food for them. Now they are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So he's telling him, I need you to go there, down to the battlefield. So David got up early in the morning. He left the flock with a keeper, and he picked up the provisions, and he went just as Jesse had directed them. And he came to the encampment as the army was going out in battle formation, shouting the battle cry. 
Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle formation, army against army. Then David left his provisions in the care of the supply keeper and ran to the ranks and came and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, behold, a champion, the Philistine of Gath, called Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines, and he spoke these same words again, and David heard him. When the men of Israel all saw the man, they fled from him, and they were very frightened. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming to defy Israel. The king will reward the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter in marriage and make his father's house, his family house, free from taxes and service in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes the disgrace of his taunting from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he has taunted and defiled the armies of the living God? The men told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. So they recounted the story, amen. Verse 28. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard what he said to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David, and he said, Why have you come down here? With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption, your overconfidence, and the evil of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. But David said, What have I done now? Was it not just a harmless question? Then David turned away from Eliab to someone else and asked the same question. And the people gave him the same answer as the first time. Verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, the men reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Now that's King Saul, amen? Head of the army, of the Israeli army. Verse 32. David said to Saul, Let no man's courage fail because of him, because of Goliath. Your servant will go out and fight with this Philistine. Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, but you you are for you are only a young man, and he has been a warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and attacked it and rescued the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I seized it by the whiskers and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted and defied the armies of the living God. David said, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Now watch Saul. And Saul said to David, Go and may the Lord be with you. Verse 38, then Saul dressed David in his own garments and put a a bronze helmet on his head and put a coat of mail, which is the armor, on him. Then David fastened his sword over his armor and tried to walk, but he could not because he was not used to them. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these because I'm not used to them. So David took them off 
Then he took his shepherd's staff. Remember our question. Amen. What's in your hand? He took his shepherd's staff in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones out of the stream bed. And he put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, that is, in his shepherd's pouch. With his sling in his hand, hallelujah, he approached the Philistine. Oh, praise the Lord. Verse 41. I hope you guys getting it. Amen, amen. The Philistine came and approached David with his shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked around and saw David, he derided and disparaged him because he was just a young man with a ruddy complexion and a handsome appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog? Did you come to me with shepherd's staffs? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Lord Jesus. Verse 44. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the bird and the beasts of the field. A whole lot of trash talking going on. Verse 48, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. In the name of the Lord of hosts, I say it again, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you down, hallelujah, and cut off your head. And I will give the corpses of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth. So that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that this entire assembly may know that the Lord does not save with a sword or with the spear for the battle is the Lord's, and he will hand, watch it now, what's in your hand, he will hand you over to us. And we have a call on the line, so we're going to stop here at verse 47. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Hello? God bless you. Oh, God bless you. God bless you, my sister. Praise the Lord. So I want to know what's in your hand. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing. <laughs> yes, you go with David, it was absolutely nothing. Because when God decided to give him what he needed, he had to have nothing in his hand. Uh-huh. Nothing in his hand. So the Lord can fill your hands. If you're walking around with what you think you need in your hands, we were talking about this today. Uh-huh. What the things that you are equipping yourself with. And when we equip ourselves with what we think mm-hmm. we need, we're over-equipped. And none of it fits the battle. No, no. Did you get think about Saul? Saul gave him his armor. Amen. Was it suited for the battle? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Brother said, what do you got to do down here with me? He didn't know I am the battle. Oh, praise the Lord. Is the battle. But think about this. God prepared David with those same, yes, for the battle. battle. And and he prepared him 
with even the shepherd's staff. He prepared him to fight the the um the bear and the lion. He prepared him. He prepared him to to hold on to it. Amen. When it rose up against him, he said, I seized it by his whiskers. He prepared him and he said, I struck it and I killed it. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. When he, yes. he didn't use that staff And he did not use the same <laughs> tactic with the Philistine. He had, he had so let's back up a little bit. At the beginning, I said when he used the slingshot, it was an example of his faith in God. Mm-hmm. Well, so, hallelujah. So even as he was, um, he was training Amen. He was being trained as we all are being trained. When the time came, the appropriate the appropriate instrument was in his hand. Amen. But his Amen. faith, his faith in God was so strengthened. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that whatever the Lord gave him to do, hallelujah, he could do it. Amen. Amen. All he had to do was to go to the battle with nothing in his hand. <laughs> well, yes or no, he, he 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 had nothing in his hand, but he also had what God gave him in his hand. And I guess that's the peace that I'm looking at. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. So you have nothing in your hand. Hold on. You've got nothing in your hand. Until the Lord puts it in your hand. Until he fills it up. I, I, I get that, and I accept that, my sister. Yeah. Yes. If, he, if he's the author and the what, finisher mm-hmm. of me, yes, he knows what it's going to take for me to fight every battle that he sends me into. See, David knew that in the battle, just like the Hebrew boy according to the furnace, fiery furnace, yes. he said, per adventure, if he don't show up, he's yes. able to go Yes. So I I know whatever God sends me to, he's going to see me through. Yes, he will. You know, it's it's really interesting because I stopped at verse um 47. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if I'm going to read 48 and 49 while you're still on the line, because it reads, When the Philistine rose and came forward to meet David. So that was the time of the battle. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And watch it. David put his hand, what's in his hand? Amen. He put his hand into his bag and took out a stone and, sl- oh, hallelujah, and slung it. That's right. Amen. That's right. So, yes, right. he had he he had everything prepared. God had prepared Amen. him for this battle, but only when the battle was right there Great. and raging Great. that yeah. he can take. I, I mean, he had a staff, too. He didn't use the staff. He used his hand, took it out, and then he had the sling, and he hit it. Amen. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, Elder. And I, I want to make sure that 
you don't keep you don't keep your hands fully empty because there's a war going on out there and we need everyone to have their hands open and ready to receive what God is giving us. Amen. Amen, Elder. You said it right. I got my hands open to receive. Amen. What's going on in what my members? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you, my sister. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. So we're going to continue our, our account of David, but we got to that point, which was which was the point that we needed to get to, amen, where David put his hand into his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it. Oh, praise the Lord. And it struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone penetrated his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Praise the Lord. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck down the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. Watch it now. So he ran. Remember, he just ran to the Philistine, right? So now, so he ran and he stood over the Philistine and grasped his sword, the sword of the Philistine. Now that's what's in his hand. It was the stone, hallelujah, but that stone is gone. Now the Lord has placed in his hand another weapon. He took the Philistine's sword and he drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their mighty champion was dead, they fled. The men of Israel and Judah stood with a shout and pursued them as far as the entrance to the valley and the gates of Ekron. And we're going to leave it right here because that was the point. Amen. What's in your hand? And, you know, we just talked about what's in your hand. And what we have to look at is whether we're going through difficult times, whether we, you know, there is, there, there is so many things going on around us, we've got to be prepared with open hands to have the Lord fill it, hallelujah, with what needs to be done at that time. Amen. Hallelujah. And we're going to take a break now and we will minister in song.
All right, though. She says, throw your hand in the air for Jesus. Amen. Amen. What's in your hand? Ooh, hallelujah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You praise him. Raise those hands to praise him. Let him fill your hand. Oh, praise the Lord. Let him fill your hand with what is needed at that time. Let him fill it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to now have us go to, oh my goodness, Second Kings chapter 13. And I want to read from verses 14 to 19. So this is not going to be as long as the last one. But this gives the, the last one with David and Goliath. It gave, gave us an excellent picture of what happens when we have faith in God. Amen. He has been molding us and he has been shaping us for some of those battles that are going on. So as we begin to be shaped by him, we understand that when we are in a situation, God is the one who is going to really do it. Amen. Hallelujah. And as the song from um, Pastor Wendy Mitchell says, she tells us to lift up your hand and praise him. Amen. The song is called Difficult Times. Lift up your hands and praise him by Pastor Wendy Mitchell. Hallelujah. So now we are going to look at what's in a prophet's hand. Amen. And this I want to look at when you say what's in your hand. What's in his, what was in his hand is the Lord's arrow of victory as a prophetic work in the hands of Elisha. Now, this is a time when Elisha's ministry is just about over. Elisha was suffering from, Ill, from an illness, and I'm going to read it, and we can go back for a minute. Second Kings chapter 13 Verses 14 to 19. Amen. Now, Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he had died. So at this point, he was just suffering from the illness. And oh my goodness, I want to give you the number to call area code 313-871-9656. What's in your hand? Hallelujah. So he had been suffering from illness and he, he, he died. He died after this. But during the time of his suffering, Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Aram being Syria, Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, Take the arrows. And the king took them. Elisha told him, Strike the ground. 
he struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. My Lord, my Lord. And it is a prophetic word in the hands of Elisha. Amen. So let's, let's go back. Elisha had been suffering from an illness. The king, the king of Israel came to see the prophet. He's now a very old man. And, and so the king, he wept. He was sorry. He knew that there was some, that it was, you know, that he was so ill. He knew it. But Elisha still had work to do. Oh, my Lord. Amen. So, and so he, he came, when he came to him, he told him, take the bow in your hands. Get a bow and some arrows. Now, when we talk about bow and arrows, we're not talking about just, um, you know, bows and arrows for entertainment or to hit a target that's on a wall. This is war again. Oh, hallelujah. My God. So when he told the king of Israel, now this is the king. Nobody really talks to the king of Israel and tells him what to do, but the prophet does because the prophet represents God and God is the one who has installed and appointed a prophet, this, this king and also the prophet. Amen. So he took the bow. And when he had taken it, the bow and the arrows, Elisha put his hand on the king's hands. So it's almost as though he's guiding him. And he says, open the east window because Aram would have been to the east. And he said, shoot. Elisha shot. Elisha said, and excuse me, the king, Jehoram, Jehoash, shot. And he's he, he prophesied, he says, that's the Lord's arrow. When you go into the battle, that's the Lord's arrow of victory that you, oh, hallelujah, that you've got in your hand. Oh, my Lord, what's in your hand? Amen. And we're not talking about your taking, taking a weapon in your hand to kill someone because this, this for us today is a spiritual battle. We talk about the Lord's arrow of victory when the Lord has, has got that target in sight and he says, shoot, he might tell you, speak, or he might say, move this or walk away or do this. That's in your hand that the Lord has just given to you. So he shot the Lord's arrow of victory and Elisha prophesied, you will completely destroy the Aramanians at Aphek, at this particular place. Then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. And he told him to strike the ground. And the striking of the, of the ground meant it was as though he was striking down an enemy. Striking him down is not just the shooting of the arrow, but striking him down. Now, the king himself 
probably did not fully understand the significance, even though he had heard of what was of what um, Elisha told him when he shot the arrow with his hand. But at that point in time, he he just struck three times. Didn't understand the significance. It was as though he said, "Strike, so I'm going to strike." Amen. But Elisha was angry. Or, or if you want to say he was grieved because he's saying you should have kept on striking. That would have been the fervor that you had. Oh, hallelujah. In this battle. And he says you would have smitten them to destruction. But now, well, because of your lack of energy, because of your lack of faith, they will not be completely destroyed. You continue because you're dealing with the enemy. And when the Lord tells you to do something, what he gives you in your hand, he's giving it to you with the fervor and you receive it with fervor and do as the Lord has given you to do. That's what's in your hand. Amen. And when he says it's the Lord's arrow of victory, so it is. So it is in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now this, this next um, series is a series of three scriptures, scripture verses. Amen. And it's from Exodus. Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 17. And again, Exodus chapter 17. So what I want to do at this point in time, I'd like us to to break for a minute so that we we can change this atmosphere that now we can read these three sets of scriptures together as one in the name of Jesus, because there's a flow that goes along with it. So let us Minister in song and the number to call three one three eight seven one nine six five six. I know that you can stand for your life is in in his hands. Listen. Oh, there's a friend named Jesus. 
you. God bless you, Sister Raquel. God bless you. Amen. And God bless you to my Facebook family. So we're asking the question, what's in your hand? So now we are going to look at the rod of Moses. Amen. Moses has had this rod for a while. And we're going to start with Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. What was in his hand? His rod as a sign to the Israelites. God bless you, my sister. As a sign to the Israelites that were in captivity in Egypt so that they may believe in and trust the Lord. So let's watch this sign. Amen. What was in his hand? Oh, praise the Lord. Now, remember, it's the same rod. It's a rod we are talking about. Amen. So Exodus chapter 4 verse 1 says, And Moses answered and said, he said to the Lord, Behold, they're not going to believe me because the Lord is telling him that I'm I'm sending you to the Israelites. And Moses is saying, wait, 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 he's making all kinds of excuses. He says they will not believe me. They will not hearken to my voice. They're not hear my voice because they're going to say the Lord didn't appear unto you. No, 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 no. This is this is make believe. But in verse 2, Exodus 4 and 2, the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? And I ask you, what's that in your hand? Making excuses. And he said, a rod. Verse 3, and he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. My Lord, a complete change in its substance. Think about that. It became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. This is Moses' rod that he's been walking around with. And suddenly, he had to run from his rod. Help me, Jesus. Amen? Because the Lord did it. Because the Lord said, take what you have and cast it on the ground. Let me see what what you see what will happen. And the Lord said to Moses, put forth your hand and take it by the tail. Oh, Lord Jesus. And he put forth his what? His hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. Right back to a rod in his hand. And Exodus 4 and 5 says that they might believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob had appeared unto you. That's why I'm doing this. I'm showing you what you're going to do with this rod that's in your hand. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. And the Lord said furthermore to him, put now your hand, the same hand now, into your bosom. So now it's a different, a different use for the hand. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, 
behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put your hand into your bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. Watch it now. His hand, the thing that was supposed to be the one that would carry the carrier. Now the Lord flipped it around and he showed him, I'm still in control even of that hand. Amen. And the Lord says in verse 8, And if they will not believe you, or they will not listen to you, to the voice of that first sign that I gave, amen, of the serpent that falls, that, that they will believe the latter sign. So we're not talking about the first sign anymore. We're talking about, you know what? I'm God, and I'm going to show you. Oh, praise the Lord. I'm going to show you and show them that you need to believe in me and trust in me. You are in captivity and I am going to bring you out. Amen. God bless you, Sister Clora. God bless you. So we have to, all of us have to recognize that God is in control. He's even in control of what's going to go into your hand and what's going to come out of your hand. And wait a minute, and he's still in control of your hand. Amen. Yes, yes, yes. Because when when uh, Moses obeyed the Lord and he put his hand in his bosom, it came out white, leprous white as snow my god jesus and yet when he put it back in and this is not magic now and he brought it back out it returned to normal oh praise the lord that's the rod of moses as a sign to the israelites while they were in captivity amen now i'm gonna Flip this around just a little bit, and we will touch on the rod of Moses as a sign to the Israelites coming out of captivity in the desert. And the reason why there was a sign using the same rod is that God is showing them that I am with you, Moses, and I am with them, with the, the Israelites, even as you are coming out and you begin to face the enemy, listen, trust me, trust me. So we're going to go to Exodus chapter 17, and we're going to read from verse 1 to verse 6. Amen. So Exodus 17 verse 1. All the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. Watch it now. No water. You're in the desert, and there is no water. Verse 2, wherefore the people that chide with Moses, they argued with him. I, I can imagine them even trying to cuss him out. Give us water that we may drink. 
And you, listen, you're not just hearing one person saying, give us water. It's just about any and everybody. It's like it's like a noise, amen? A noise, my Lord, a noise. Psalm 93 and 4, the noise of many waters. That's what it's like. But 93 and 4 says, man, the Lord on high is mightier, hallelujah, than the noise of many waters. All that noise that was going on. We want water. Give us water. You can imagine, amen? And in verse 3, we read, excuse me, and still in verse 2, he says, they said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why chide ye with me? What you arguing with me for? Why are you badgering me? Amen. And why, why are you tempting the Lord? Because Moses knew it ain't about me. I know I, you see me as the Lord's representative. You see me because I went up to the mountain, amen, and I communed with the Lord and I came back. Yes, 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 you have seen all of this. But Moses is saying, you're testing the Lord. You're tempting the Lord, not me. So Exodus 17 and 3, and the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured, oh, Lord Jesus, you can just imagine talking about him, against Moses and said, wherefore is this that you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? It's like, listen now, Moses, I'm going to blame it on you because you are the only one that I see right here. Amen. And not only that, not only will I blame it on you, I am going to blame not just my circumstance, but my whole family circumstance. I'm going to blame every single thing that has gone on with you and with us. I'm blaming it on you. So Moses did what Moses should do. Amen. Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? Lord, they be almost ready to stone me. I like this. They be almost ready to stone me. Amen. You know, it's kind of funny because sometimes we talk like this, right? They be saying like so and so and so and not realizing that even in the word of God, we see this kind of funny kind of English, right? They be ready, almost ready to stone me. Amen. My Lord. So in verse 5, Exodus 17, the Lord said to Moses, go on before the people and take with you of the elders of Israel and your rod. Woo! Take the elders with you. Come on, elders, you're coming with me. But take your rod, wherewith you smote the river. Oh, hallelujah. Take it in your hand and go. And Exodus 17 and 6, the Lord says, Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt, what? Smite the rock. Hallelujah. What's in his hand is the same rod. Hit that rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Verse 6. Amen. Amen. See, the people now, they were miraculously fed, but they were called 
to, because they are coming out of ca- captivity, they are called to trust God. They're coming into a brand new situation. This is a group that has been in captivity over so many, over the over 400 years of all the generations. That's all they knew. And now the Lord is bringing them out. Amen. But they still have Egypt. Oh, hallelujah. They still have Egypt in their mind. And God has to say, listen, use this hand. Take your rod, the same rod you had before when you came into Egypt to, to, so that you would deliver them at my command. That's the same rod I'm telling you now to take that rod, smite the rock. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Because you see, as they're coming deeper and deeper into that wilderness and they find themselves without water, they want to go back. My brothers and sisters, it's not time to go back. Amen? Yes, yes, yes. You see, we have to understand what God did at the beginning for us. Amen? We've got to keep that in mind because we know that he's only going to build our confidence and our trust in him. See, the murmurs, they didn't prevent him. I mean, he could have struck them down, but it didn't prevent him from showing mercy to his people. Amen. But it's that rod that was in Moses' hand that he had to use to strike that rock. And I so want to say, and that rock was Christ. Amen. To go to the rock. Oh, my Lord. So that there would be no more murmuring and complaining. Amen. And God is standing before them on that rock, making his presence felt. But he's using Moses and using the rock. Hallelujah. And using that rock. Amen. As they are coming out to lead them, strike the rock. The rod was not the miraculous thing. It was God who did the miracles. But he gave Moses that rod. He gave him the rod in his hand. Amen. First, it was the sign that they would believe and trust in him. Amen. When that rod turned into a serpent and then back, and now the same rod, he hits a rock and water, hallelujah, gushes out. Now watch this. Here's the rod of Moses again in the last, I guess, five minutes that we have. And we're looking at Exodus chapter 17 again, and we're going to read now from verse 8 to verse 15. Amen. The Israelites were under attack, so the rod of Moses was in his hand for the Israelites who were under attack as the banner, as the flag, as the standard of the Lord to show the enemy and to show the Israelites that God was fighting their battle. They are under attack. Exodus 17 verse 8, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow 
I will stand on the top of the hill with what? With the rod of God in my hand. Oh, praise the Lord, the same rod. Exodus 17 and 10. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, what's in your hand, amen? Amalek prevailed. Same rod in his hand. But Moses' hands were very heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Hallelujah. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an off an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. When he put that rod up, even the Israelites knew God is with us. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Because as it was coming down, there, there was a loss of confidence. But keep that flag going. Keep that standard up. Because it shows to the enemy, hey, my God is fighting this battle with me. Because this is a military battle. This is a war. Amen. You know, sometimes we don't understand this spiritual war that's going on with us because this definitely means war. We don't understand that spiritual battle that's going on with us. But Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, keep your hands open so that God can place in your hand that weapon that you need, the things that you need in order to face this battle. God is still in control, and this means war. He is still in control. Amen. And next time, we're going to continue this discussion, What's in Your Hand? sincerely thank our supporters for sponsoring this broadcast and pray that you too will be moved to become a sponsor. Let us reach out to continue to spread the good news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the airwaves. To contact us, simply log on to our website, thewordrestores.org or through Facebook, Anne-Marie Jewel, or call 
send us a text to area code 313-466-0349. I'm your host, Elder Anne-Marie Jewa, a fellow servant in Christ. Until next time, may God bless and keep you, and may the word of Christ dwell in you richly.